We're going to open up your word. You are the only one worthy because of the blood that you shed on the cross. You offer redemption, you offer hope, and you are faithful to keep your promises. So, Father, as we, as we study your word this morning, meet us where we're at and allow the Holy Spirit to speak in a powerful way. And we pray this in your precious and only name, the only one that is worthy, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take a seat. Children are dismissed to Children's Church. So this morning, we're going to continue in, in our series, uh, Breaking the Silence. And uh, Ben Vandercody is, is going to speak this morning. And he doesn't need an introduction to, uh, to most of you, but we thought we would, I would say a few words here at the beginning. Um, so Ben's a good friend. Um, ben is passionate about the Word of God. Um, in his career, he works at Grace Adventures, and uh, many of you probably don't know, he's kind of taken on a new role there. He's a kind of, they call it the vice president of uh, advancement, advancement right now. And when he, when, he, when he moved to that new role, I'm like, that doesn't mean you're going to stop teaching, does it? Because before that, he would go and speak all over at different schools and churches, and, and he goes, no, I love to teach. So just this week, Ben, was, I had the opportunity of go to three different schools, spoke at five different chapels. He spoke yesterday morning at the ranch. Um, just God's given him a gift to teach. So I asked him, what grades do you prefer to teach? What level? Kindergarten through second grade. He said, there's not many men that will say, I love to teach kindergartens through second grade. It does something to his testosterone, he said. It's just like so manly. No, that's not how I said it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the opposite is what he said. Yeah. But uh, I love that he can relate from somebody that's three, four years old up to an 89-year-old sitting in here. God's word does not change. And it brings fruit to every area and every person that we talk to. So I just want to thank Ben for standing in this morning and uh, bringing God's word to us. So looking forward to it, and I love you, brother. Thanks. Am I, am I on? We're good. Okay. So thank you for that way too long introduction. Um, what I did say is no guy in their right mind wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, if only I could be gifted to teach kindergarten students because there's nothing that, uh, is, uh, that, that boosts your testosterone more. But that's, that was my quote. But here's what I'm going to say. Working at Grace Adventures, um, a few years ago, I was in charge of all of our summer camp programs, all of our winter retreats. And so my rhythm was a season of summer and then a season of winter and then a season of summer and uh, we had three seasons in a row where as I led in that ministry I the 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 the, the camp and the ministry programs were growing and growing and growing and it was an amazing time of God's hand of blessing but as each season ended, I felt like I did not uh, cross the finish line with stamina. I felt like I crawled across the finish line. And that happened not just one season, but two seasons, three seasons in a row. And I found myself burnt out. I found myself 
at a place where I did not know if I could continue. And no one in ministry, and I don't think anyone who's not in ministry thinks, man, I'd really like to get to the place where I don't think I have anything left to give, and I want to share that with the world. Right? No. Because we want to look like we have it all together, that we have all, uh, my family is good, and my life is good. And, and I was just talking to somebody this week who said, living in West Michigan specifically, I feel like the, the Dutch heritage tries to like not let on of what's really going on behind the scenes. And so I stand before you this morning to say this. God wanted me to share that story this morning because I had a different one planned until I went for a run this week. And I want to say this, that as we go through this series called Breaking the Silence, here's what I absolutely know to be true. God knows what's going on in our lives, and God will meet us there. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, grab them, please. We're going to go to the, um, the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. And in 1 Kings, chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 1. As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. This story is about the prophet Elijah. And Elijah has just had a mountaintop experience. Literally, mountaintop experience. He's on the top of Mount Carmel, and figuratively, because he just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. So the, the story goes, and I'll just quick, give you a quick summary. He says the Lord God is the real God. There's a king who's in charge right now. He's, his name is Ahab, and he has a wife who I, I won't uh, use the word that I'd like to from the pulpit, but she is a wicked, wicked woman who is a worshiper of a different God than Yahweh. So the whole nation of Israel has turned away from God, and they're following Baal and Asherah, and they're doing all kinds of wicked, wicked things. Elijah comes on scene, and Elijah... Um, Elijah is a prophet, and a prophet hears from God and speaks to the people God's words. Well, when you tell the people of Israel God's words in a time like this, you're going to tell them what you're doing is wrong, and you need to turn, or there's going to be consequences. Or these are the consequences. And so Elijah has a very terrible job. He could be featured on dirty jobs, right? Because he, he has to go and tell people what they're doing wrong, and they're not going to be like, hey, thanks, Elijah, sure is good to hear from you. No, they want to kill him. They hate him. So after this mountaintop experience specifically, Ahab goes home because all 450 prophets the Israelites kill. These are all of his wife Jezebel's prophets and priests. So she wakes up the next morning to find out that her belief system and the leadership that she has brought in are all dead. She is less than excited. Let's begin reading verse 1. 
Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a friendly message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Paraphrase. I will kill you by tomorrow, and if not, I am going to deal with the curse myself. I'm taking, I, my goal is to take you out. That's what Jezebel just sent. In Ben's words, you're dead. Okay? Here we go. Elijah was afraid. Hmm. The second most powerful person in the nation is out to get Elijah. Now, let me just pause here. I don't think she was the second most powerful. I think she was the most powerful. Because what she told Ahab to do, he did. If you read the rest of the context, she was the most powerful person in that nation at that time. And she's out to get Elijah. He is fearful for his life, and rightfully so. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba of Judah, in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah is in a very dark place. Elijah is in a valley. Elijah has no hope. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Now let me just pause here. He has now outlasted Queen Jezebel's threat. She said, by, if I don't kill you by tomorrow, you're done. He's now outlasted that with God's help. Keep reading. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, now I, I, I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt here. We know the story of Jonah, where God gives Jonah a message to go to Nineveh, and he, goes the, uh, he books a ticket on a boat to go to Tarshish the opposite way. Elijah has now traveled 40 days, fleeing in the opposite direction. He's out. He's done. He's put in his two weeks notice to God. Okay? <clears throat> Keep reading. He replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Past tense. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then this is the part of the story that we're familiar with. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the powerful wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Pause. Do you see the parallel here between verse 14 and verse 10? It's the same. Same question, same answer. Now, I think this is what happens. When we find ourselves in a dark place, we find ourselves in this cycle. We find ourselves in the same place where even though Elijah saw the power of God in the wind, he saw the power of God in the earthquake, he saw the power of God in the fire, his focus was on the same thing of where he was at and where he was living and what he was dealing with. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Mahoah, to secede you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So here's where we find ourselves. If you want to, um, I think, were you following along for me? Thank you, you guys did an awesome job. Here's, here's um, Elijah's mental state. As we're in this series about mental illness, about mental health, Elijah's mental state. Number one, he wants to die. This, this isn't a passing thought. This isn't just a one, like, he is ready to be done. Number two, he feels like he is completely alone. No one else knows what I'm going through. No one else is experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. He feels completely alone. And he has no hope that it's going to change. That's where Elijah's at. And I just want to pause here because as I've worked with people, I know that that's true in biblical times of Elijah and that is absolutely true in our world today. I want you to move to the next slide here because as we read this story, here's what I don't want you to miss. Number one, I want us to see this story now from God's perspective. Because God's perspective is he knows exactly where Elijah is at. And he meets him there. And he doesn't just do it once. He does it three times. He meets him 
as he's on the road, exhausted, tired, and he gives him bread over hot coals and a jar of water. And then he lets him sleep, and then he meets him again and provides food again. And then he runs for 40 days, 40 days travel, and he meets him in the cave. He knows where Elijah is at. Not just physically, emotionally, mentally speaking. He knows where Elijah's at. And he meets him in that place. Elijah doesn't have to have his act all together. He doesn't. And God meets him there. But here's the other thing you have to understand about God, is God has a bigger picture. He knows where everything else is at in this time. He knows what's going on back in Israel. He knows what's happening in the palace with Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. He knows what's happening in the, in, in the temple. God has a bigger picture understanding of what's going on, even though Elijah... The world is this big right now. God has the bigger perspective. And at the end there, did, 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 you, did you catch that last verse? He says there's 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed to Baal or kissed him yet. There's 7,000 other people in Israel. God knows every one of them. He knows what houses they're in. And he knows their hearts are not toward Baal their hearts are directed toward God at this time. God has a bigger picture. And then here's the third piece, is that he has an understanding that God wasn't finished with Elijah. I think this is my favorite point. Because even though Elijah's in a broken place, in a broken world, God is not done with Elijah. He says, as a matter of fact, Elijah, I want you to turn back around and I want you to do these three things for me still. You have to go talk to Hazel and anoint him. You have to then go talk to Jehu and anoint him. And then you have to go talk to Elisha, your replacement, the next pastor in your ministry. And you, you need to do these three things yet because I'm not done with you yet. I take great comfort in that. Because I know in my own life where I've been and when I've struggled. And I take great comfort that God knows where I'm at. He knows the bigger picture and he's not done yet. Thank you for coming for the introduction. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But really, I wanted to do two parts this morning. The first part was I wanted to, to take some time and, and, and just, just look at and go, it is, a, it is a biblical reality that Elijah struggled mentally. And a lot of times we don't look at Scripture through that, that, that uh, filter. And so I wanted, I wanted to bring to the top that Elijah was in, a, it was in a dark, dark place. And that was reality, biblical times. Now, Pastor Ryan did some, some, um, so, some stats last week, but, but here's, here's the thing, is that um, we are overwhelmed by life today. And, and I just have three quick slides here. I don't want to focus here, but I want us to understand 
with very little effort in research, you can find better stats than this of our world today. But, but look, at, look at just a few of these. This is, these three things I found on one website. And it says, um, it's the, the MHA, Mental Health Association National Organization. Suicidal ideation continues to increase, not increase, but continues to increase among adults in the U.S. 4.58% of adults report having serious thoughts of suicide. That's an increase of 664,000 people from last year's data set. A growing percentage of youth in the U.S. live with major depression. 15.08% of youth experienced a major depressive episode in the past year, and that's a 1.24 increase from last year's data set. And here's the third slide. Over 2.5 million youth in the U.S. have severe depression. 10.6 of youth in the U.S. have had a severe major depression. That, that is defining a depression that severely affects functioning. So here's the thing with stats. Stats paint a picture, and those stats are saying mental health crisis is increasing in our nation today. That sounds really good, but here's what I'm going to tell you. It becomes reality when you sit across the table from somebody who's represented by one of those statistics. And they begin to share their story of where they're at and what they're experiencing and where they're living. And all of a sudden you go, an increase of 664,000 over last year? I don't know 663,999 of them, but I know this one. And they're in a difficult place right now. And so what I wanted to, to, to do here today then is Ben has zero answers. I have no answers whatsoever, okay? But God has answers and God has designed us for one another and God has built into his creation ways that we can move forward. So for the rest of my time, um, what I want to do, and, 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 and I don't know how to say this really well, so I'm, I'm going to try, try it, and I, I, still don't, I practice, and I still don't know if it's going to come out right. So, so hear my heart, not necessarily my words. Here we go. As we began the pandemic of 2020, and I was working at Grace Adventures, we knew that shutting down schools, isolating people into their own homes, having people spend hours and hours on screens was going to have a major impact on people's lives. So we put a task force together of people from our team who were going to study and research what the impact on mental health was going to be and then what were some strategies that could help us move toward positive health impact. So what I'm going to share is what the team at Grace Adventures is. They did research. I was on the team, but I, again, I take zero credit. And, and, and we put together 10 strategies 
that work toward positive mental health. Now, I say we put it together. We didn't put it together. We allowed social science, as they study people, and they study thousands of people to say, when you do this, there's positive health benefits. When you are in a place, a deep, dark place, these are not the solutions. Okay? These are like vitamins. These are strategies that can help toward positive. It's not necessarily, if you do this, you're going to get better. Okay? So, so here my heart is, is, is to say, we know we have mental illness that needs professional help, that needs medication, but there's also mental health that can move toward the positive regardless of where you're at on the spectrum. So that's what I want to share this morning. I, I believe when people are depressed, not everyone who's depressed needs medication. But I also believe that not everyone who's depressed can get better without medication. Are you tracking with me? So it's necessary. It just may not be necessary for everyone. So if you flip your handout that uh, I provided this morning uh, over to the back side, these are 10 strategies for positive mental health. Number one, enjoying the outdoors. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. That when we go outside, when we go into God's creation, it is beneficial for our mental health. Whether you're out there on a boat, whether you're out there in a tree stand, whether you're out there on a tractor, when you go outside, it's good for you. It's just good for you. Some of you, some of us, we work out there, so we get that benefit every day. Some of us don't work out there, and so we have to be purposeful to go out there when we're not working to get the benefit. Number two, besides enjoying outdoors, is exercising regularly. This one is the one that we love in theory. But 1 Timothy 4, verse 8 says, physical training is of some value. The truth is, there is value to physical training. Training in godliness has even greater value, not just for this life, but for the life to come. But physical training has value. This is why when we were in high school, I'm talking to the older generation, when we were in high school and we played sports, we got the benefit of this. But now is nobody's yelling at you to run. If you're not exercising, you're not getting the benefit of that. Whether it's walking, whether it's swimming, whether it's biking, whether it's running, whatever your desire or the, wor the least of the worst, maybe I should say, form of exercise is with for you, but you don't get the benefit if you don't do it. Number three. Eating nutritiously. 
And I just love this verse I found. Deuteronomy 14.3, do not eat any detestable things. Now, the context of that is God's teaching the Israelites what's unclean for them and what's clean for them. And he spends almost a whole chapter in Deuteronomy talking about clean and unclean to the Israelites because he wanted his people to know you're set apart, you're different. But if you follow every one of those eating regulations that God laid out, here's what you're going to find. Every one of them benefit you. Every one of those in biblical times, if the Israelites followed them, they avoided all kinds of health risk. Let me just be practical. I spent a week in Texas, and I drove all the way down on this mission trip, and I ate fast food, greasy garbage for four meals in a row, and I felt terrible. And I said to myself, never again am I having a burger at three meals in a row from McDonald's. <laughs> was that out loud? It was awful. You see, we have to fuel our bodies with the right stuff. We have to eat nutritiously to get the benefit. This one is so important, and, and this is one of the things that was so difficult during the response to the pandemic, connecting with others. The Lord God said it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. This is why he created Eve. Because he knew he did not create man to be alone. We need each other. This is why we come to church on Sunday so that we can be together. We need each other. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. We have to connect with each other. It's good for us to connect. Serving others. This one kind of surprised me as I was doing the studies, is that they actually said, when you think beyond yourself and you meet somebody else's needs, this is a beneficial thing for your mental health. But it didn't really surprise me because... For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We say it this way at Grace Adventures. All truth is God's truth. So if it's true in the, in the physical world and the social sciences, Scripture and God's truth should back that up. So serving others is good for our positive mental health. Being grateful. Give thanks in all circumstances, not just some, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's command. This is his will for us, is to be grateful. And, and just think back, when, when, when the last time you wrote a thank you card and you tossed it in the mail and you mailed it off, do you remember that, that feeling of like, I know they're going to appreciate this. I know they're going to think of me when they get this. That, that when we're grateful, it has benefit to us. Creating a normal routine. Creating a normal routine is good for our, our mental health. 
This is one of the reasons, as a parent, we have a morning rhythm for our kids every day. Number one, because then they know what's expected, and they do it, and it doesn't require all of this energy from me. They know you get up, you come down, you do this, you do that, you do this, and at this time we're going to load up and we're going to head out. And so we designed a clear routine in our family so that they could follow that. And my mom and dad did a great job with that for me as well. And here's what I find. I have a morning routine in my own life now. And actually, it's not something that I don't like. It's something that I love. Because what it does is it, I, I can do the things that I want to do in the order that I want to do it, but my mind doesn't have to think about it. I just operate. So then my, my brain engages in the other more important things. And so that routine sets me at ease and allows me to move forward because that is happening. Oh, I forgot to... to the, the Bible verse here, if you read Genesis chapter 1 and all of these verses, every single one of them, every day that God creates, it says, and there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the first day. And there was evening, and it was morning, and it's the second day. Evening, morning, third day. Evening, morning, fourth day. That there's this rhythm built into the creation, and that routine, even as God created the heavens and the earth, he had that routine built right into the creation of our world. Limiting media exposure. Now, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. This one's hard to find a Bible verse for. <laughs> right? Because they didn't have media. Kind of. But in Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And if you study the effects of media... And exposure to media six, eight hours a day for some of our students across the nation, this is a problem. That we're using media to be the babysitter, to be the parent for the generation that we're raising in the United States right now. So, we need to limit that media exposure. Not just for kids, though. We need to do that ourselves. Because these are an incredible tool to connect with other people. But they're also an incredible tool to get to places where you never should be. Or they're an incredible time waster. Because YouTube makes money on your time. Your time is their product that they sell to advertisers. So if they can keep you wanting that next video, they're going to feed you the one that's going to be interesting to you so that you will stay on there longer and they can pay, they can get paid for your time by advertisers. So you and I, we have to manage this. We have to control this so that that doesn't control us. And that allows us to get into a place of positive mental health. Spending time with God. 
Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. In the social, social sciences, this is what they, they didn't say spend time with God. They said spend time in reflection or they said mindfulness activity. Okay? Okay. That's the world's way of saying, and they miss the power. They still get the mental health benefit, but they miss the power of connecting with God. We actually have a leg up that when we spend time on a daily basis in his word, spend time worshiping, spend time praying, as we connect with him on a daily basis, there are positive mental health benefits to that. Jesus himself, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He, he, he did this too. And, and then finally, try new skills. Here, here's what I absolutely love about our God, okay? Our God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. But one of the things about God is he loves new. That's one of the things that doesn't change, is he loves new. He's in the business of making old things new, and he does it all the time. This is why we go through seasons every calendar year that we're now in fall, the trees, leaves are going to fall, it's going to be gorgeous. I love Oceana County so much better than Kent County where I grew up because of the colors in the fall. And then we know winter, and then we know spring is coming because God's going to make things new again. He's built it into the rhythm. And so he also has designed life that when we try new things, there's mental health benefit to it. So, so let me pause and just say this list of 10 things on, on your handout here. Number one, they are really, really good things for you to consider as a parent. You can help your kids in this way as a parent. You can build the routine. You can get them outside. You can lock the door behind them. <laughs> you laugh. My mom did that. <laughs> Number two... This is also a list that is really good in theory, but you don't get the benefit unless you do things on this list. Now, I'm, I'm one of those people, I like efficiency, okay? So if I go for a walk with my wife tonight, I'm hitting number one, I'm enjoying the outdoors. I'm hitting number two, I'm exercising. And I'm hitting number three, which, or number four, which is connecting with others. Now, if I really thought hard, maybe we could pray together while we were walking and I'd get the benefit of, um, of, of, of number, number nine as well. But, but, but you see what I'm saying? And, and here's, what, here's what I find, is that God has designed our world that it's not just mental health. We're integrated people. So it's physical, it's emotional, and all of those things play in at the same time. So as we wrap up today, my challenge for us, number one, God knows where we are. He's not finished with us yet. 
and he's allowed us to be able to study his world and his creation, and we can be purposeful to implement some of these things in our lives, and we will reap the benefits. This is one of the reasons why now, today, I am in a different place because I had to learn how to take care of myself so that I could be able to continue to give and to serve. But I also needed people at Grace Adventures to say, Ben, you can't keep going down this road. They actually changed my rule at Grace because what I was going to, I, I was going to burn myself up. I did. And I was not going to be able to continue. And it took somebody else in my life coming alongside me and saying, you can't keep on this trajectory. We're going to make some changes so that you can move forward. And I'm grateful for people in my life who spoke that truth and were willing to help make some of those changes because I didn't know how to do it. My challenge is, this week, start small. Don't do 17 of these 10 things. Don't get overwhelmed by the list. Choose one or two that you want to try and start there and reap the benefits there as we move forward. Let me pray together. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you are a God who has the bigger picture. We thank you that you are not finished with us yet. We're thankful that you meet us wherever we are at. You know where we are and you connect with us there. God, as we continue forward, Help us know we are not alone. Help us know that we have each other. God, help us know that we can do what you called us to do. We can be purposeful. We can be intentional. But we need your help, Lord Jesus. And so we ask that you would help us take one step forward today, one step forward tomorrow, that we would be faithful in our obedience to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.